Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change with your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. What's happening, everybody? You are now tuned in to High at Nine News. Thank you for joining not only to get High at Nine with us, but also High Noon on the East Coast. I'm Rico Meat, dopest dad on the street. And it's Friday, February 24th. Today is National Tartar Sauce Day, so add a little mayo to that fish sandwich and relish the flavor. National Skip the Straw Day, so ditch that plastic and join the rest of the followers with a little performative activism. And also National Tortilla Chip Day. Every dip can get it. Everybody out there watching, please like, share, and subscribe to us. And follow us on Hyatt 9 News across all social media platforms. We're live weekday mornings on YouTube and Twitch, audio only on Clubhouse. If you do choose the Clubhouse route, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand with a little love from our team. If you have a brief comment on the story presented. Getting things started today, you know who it is. It's the Green Street Bully himself, representing live down in downtown LA. But you know, he's also the industry's very own Kaiser Brose in my photo negative. Jason Beck, what do you have for us on this beautiful Friday morning? Yeah, Rico, that's right. It's finally Friday, you guys. I can't believe we made it. The work week is almost over at the end of the day. Can you believe it? But today, my story may be a sad tale. It may be a happy tale. Depends on what side of the fence you're on. But marijuana legalization is stalled in Mexico. But farmers and cartels are still making big plans to profit off of a new market. That's right. Every day at 5 a.m., Margarita, a 51-year-old farmer, jumps out of bed and lights a candle to St. Judas, a saint believed to listen to lost or almost impossible causes. Only after that, Margarita steps out to her front yard and looks over her marijuana plants, which are covered with a camouflage shaded cloth, looking like mash. Every morning, she says in a quote, every morning I pray to San Judas that the government don't destroy my plantation. It's been such an effort to put it back up after it got destroyed the last time, she told the insider, Mexican military personnel uh, de destroyed Margarita's weed crops during an operation back in 2019. Margarita doesn't work for any of Mexico's cartels or criminal organizations, and she is doing what she has learned from generations of ancestors. Marijuana harvesting has been her family's legacy for more than 100 years. And a quote, I really don't involve myself too much in the in the in the rest of the process from from the plant. I harvest, pick and trim my plants. And then if someone wants it, fine. If not, she says, I'll store it until it sells. Sounds like what New York is doing. Margarita's product caters to the Mexican market, reaching buyers through independent distributors, but also through criminal organizations like the Sinaloa cartel. The cartel's jailed kingpin Joaquin El Chapo Guzman was born in uh, Bagalajito, and the region is still the group's home turf. But all Margarita cares about is her product is selling as much as it did five years ago. The full sustain that um, the full uh, sacks of weed sometimes stay there in the warehouse for a month or two. And what do I do? How do I sustain myself? I'm not selling, she said in an interview. Margarita helps herself with a government assistance program called Sim Sembrando Vida, 
which hands out roughly $220 a month to small farmers in states like Sinaloa and neighboring uh, Chihuahua and Durango, a, a region known as the Golden Triangle for the intensive cultivation of marijuana and opium poppy there to encourage local development and discourage drug production. In a quote, I tried to harvest tomatoes, but it sells even worse than marijuana. The big companies take all the sales, and there is very little what I can offer in quantities, she said. Maybe she should try growing avocados at, or maybe getting some chickens and getting some eggs. At the current price, the weed margarita gets roughly $25 a kilo. She was expecting to get at least $500 this season for her harvest, but more than half of it hasn't sold. She says, it's not good time for weed. People are asking for different weed, uh, the one that comes from the gabacho. But we don't have those seeds, Margarita said, using a term referring to the United States. Like other independent growers, Margarita remains, remains barred from uh, formal sales in Mexico, where efforts to legalize marijuana have stalled. Negotiations over such a measure began in 2019 when the Congress approved a law to legalize the use, possession, and planting of marijuana. And four years later, it is still stuck in Mexico Senate. In 2021, the Senate passed a bill legalizing adult-use cannabis, but lawmakers in the lower house held up the measure while they tried to raise the amount that consumers could carry in public in public places, um, make, make that higher than the proposed limit of 28 grams. While weed remains generally illegal in Mexico, farmers and criminal groups are not wanting to position themselves in what could be soon be a legal market, in a quote. We are not want we are not waiting for a law. The Mexican government took too long already, and meanwhile, other countries keep moving profits and our and our sowers keep struggling. Uh, said Andres Savadiria, a lawyer and the founder of a NGO called Plan de Titicalia, which supports independent weed growers and the decriminalization of cannabis. In a quote, we are now focused on becoming independent and keep growing marijuana for a Mexican market that wants to use the plant in different ways, he said. Mexico's move toward marijuana legalization comes after several U.S. states legalized the drug, which appears to have put a dent in the cartel's profits. In a quote, this is a business that belongs here to Sinaloa, another Sinaloa cartel operative who works as a regional manager for marijuana operations in Calucan, the capital of Sinaloa State, told the insider in a previous interview, we lost a share of that business, but in no time we will take it back by producing, get ready for this, you guys, the best weed in the world. They're trying to steal my quote. After the arrest of El Chapo Guzman's youngest son, Olvido Guzman, in January, the Sinaloa cartel's weed operations are overseen by two of his brothers, Ivan Achivaldo and Jesus Alfredo Guzman, members of a group known as Los Chapitos. The operative and uh, the, the operative and others in the business say the cartel is very interested in marijuana legalization, and some believe it because of Los Chapitos love the plant and its supposed benefits. Others think it's purely a business decision. Margarita, on the other hand, can't afford to grow premium quality weed since the seeds are at least 10 times more expensive and equipment like that used in cartel-run grow houses to maintain the plants is a steep, steep, steep investment. In a quote, she says, I know that if I that that if I had that other weed from Los Gringos, I could be selling twice my price. But it's also very expensive. And I don't know the seniors are going to take it if I go into that business. Margarita said, re referring to the Mexican to the Americans and Mexican drug lords, respectively, I might get in trouble. Don't you think she says. Mm -hmm. This sounds like it's going to be a pretty rough one for this nice young lady who just loves to grow a little bit of weed plants and bundle it up and sell it in bundles. But I'm going to digress and see what you guys have to say. What do you think about Mexico and these cartels and just the regular traditional farmers trying to make a buck in Mexico? What do you all think? This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News Hour. Well... <laughs> careful with my words here you know cartel is very active 
But um, I think Mexico has a, a, a good opportunity to participate and um, control a lot of North America's cannabis trade, just put it that way. I, I just, I can't believe they really think that they're going to produce some of the best weed in the world. I mean, they have been producing the majority of it up until recently. I know. Stop it. I mean, all that brick weed. All that, that brick weed. Come on, bro. Doesn't everybody wow. think they're going to make the best weed in the world until they actually try to grow weed? Until I smoke it, they do. <laughs> California became or won't the smoke it. national export. Um, um, yeah, the cartel was pushing a lot of stuff throughout the U.S. And, um, and it was becoming uh, pretty quality recently. Mm-hmm. The, 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 it wasn't like the old brick days, but, you know, we'll see. You know, uh, El Chapo's son was uh, supposed to be extradited to the U.S., and that was halted because 29 people were killed. <laughs> oh, oh, oh <laughs> so <laughs> how do you know that wasn't just a, just a just you know the mask and they all of a sudden did bring him in even though they said they weren't you don't exactly yeah, and the government officials are paid way too little to not accept those bribes so yeah i don't know man i don't know <laughs> oh, <laughs> what do you think I just think it points to you know the 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 same fact that it is sitting there right in front of us. Uh, if we legalize all drugs, we we take a huge revenue stream away from these cartels. You know, at this point, they're kind of like the mafia and other organizations that have thrived through other types of prohibition. Where even if we legalize drugs, they're so heavily invested in in refuse and construction and these other avenues, they might not ever completely go away. But we would just immediately begin siphoning billions and billions of dollars from them were we to legalize drugs. Yeah, and for them to do what they're doing. Um with the, the cannabis industry out here. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make financial sense for them. That's why they switched over to avocados, right, Jason? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I think she should, I think she should start growing avocados, bro. Or at least maybe she should get some chickens and get some eggs with the price of eggs nowadays. Hey, Joe Biden's America, man. Joe, Joe Biden's, Biden's America. America. Damn right. you, Joe Brandon and the egg price council. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I love that the issue of quality is coming up. I mean, from the patient perspective, that's yeah. super important. And I don't think the cartels are, have their business plan geared around quality. But they, they, yeah. they say they're, they're claiming that they all, they all care about quality. They want to make the best weed in the world. That's a direct quote. That's a different business model than they're used to. But I, I welcome it if that's really the, the truth, right? I welcome anyone just that's trying down there. Yeah, I welcome anyone that's trying to produce amazing cannabis, but I'll tell you what, I just don't see it. I need to see some real indoor out there and not this boof outdoor weed. Do I hear a uh, consulting gig coming up here for you, Jason? You, you, you lobbying for that to go down there? They or should. They, they, they should They should be having me out there. They probably would make more money. Every time I'm in the room, the price goes up 200 bucks. Careful what you wish for, man. Careful what you choose your words wisely. You might have a helicopter yep. waiting on top of Green Street right now. Oh man. You know, when I'm not torturing people to death or collecting my <laughs> illegal revenue, I love to smoke that sweet Sinaloa cartel. It really just kills me out from all that PTSD from those screams of those people. Mm-hmm. What do you think about you have any thoughts on this, Gretchen? I don't, I don't I don't care that much about the cartels, frankly. Um, and I think the biggest road uh, block to cannabis so far in Mexico is the current president. Um, if Obrador was more on board with this, then he would move shit along in the Senate and get this done. Um, but he doesn't care. So until he's gone, I don't think you're going to see cannabis go anywhere in Mexico. So this this lady, her her, her price may go up this season then, huh? I think hey, I think she's gonna her. still be hiding under her tarps. I don't I don't know. I, I just I just picture mash. You know what I'm saying? The camouflage tarps, the little, you know, the little helicopters with uh with no doors. You know, like the Magnum PI helicopters flying over it. <laughs> oh yeah, let's go to a commercial real quick. We'll be right back with some more. <laughs>
coming up next. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. When Rico ain't out in the streets getting wet because it's raining cats and dogs out here, you can find him staying high and dry in his little concave right there, right behind with some bright lights and a magic mic. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. Oh, yeah, Jason, I'm going to switch up the lighting a little bit for uh, for the story. Set the mood right. <laughs> get everything's uh, get everything popping here in uh, the Swab House. So, uh, um, my story today is coming out of Western Massachusetts, and with, with uh, retail lo- locations popping up everywhere in Massachusetts now, it's a tall task for aspiring operators to find a unique angle that'll draw in new customers and keep them loyal. But a, power, a pair of entrepreneurs in Western Mass claim that they found the key to shaking things up in the sea of dispensary dullness. Club Castaway, Franklin County's only strip club, shut its doors March 2020 after the state issued an emergency order to close non-essential businesses at the height of America's pandemic paranoia. It's, ex- it's expected to reopen for the first time since within the next two months. But instead... Of keeping business as usual with all the cliches of dark rooms and heavy beats, booze and boobs, revolutionary owners Nick Spagnolia and Julius Sokol plan to literally set the topless entertainment industry ablaze with an updated vision for the local hotspot. By adding a little weed to the equation, the duo actually appeared before the select board last week to share plans over the next year to transition Club Castaway into what could possibly be the world's first legal topless dispensary. And we're leaning towards cannabis with a twist. There are a lot of dispensaries open and you need to be niche to be successful, Spagnolia said. Castaways as a strip club would be no more. Per the article, Club Castaway's adult entertainment and alcohol licenses are still active, clearing the way for the business to open its door in November. But the business posted on Facebook they are seeking bartenders and a club manager, but there is a twist. The recent acquisition by Spagnola and Sokol of Shine Diamond LLC, a local dispensary permitted in the same county, gave the entrepreneurs the idea to merge the two lanes into one. Of course, legal hurdles remain for the partners to make the idea a reality, but they believe the process is simple enough and their positive track record with the local community and connections in the cannabis industry will bring them across the finish line quicker than naysayers think. If a change of location request with the State Cannabis Control Commission is approved, they'll need to appear before the Zoning Board of Appeals to get a special permit to change the official building use filing. Sokol already has CCC licenses in good standing for dispensaries in eastern Massachusetts. And Spagnola said that they request to amend their adult entertainment license and remove dancing and uh, to have topless service only. The final step would be removing their alcohol license, and they'd technically be good to go. We do have some experience on the cannabis side and some on the nudity side. We could bring cannabis tourism to town. We want to replace this nightclub scene and alcohol with something that is harmless in comparison. You see, these guys, they're visionaries. They're truly looking out for the community. So select board member Juliana Wagner had questions. It could certainly be a little mellower, but I do have to ask, who is going to be topless? Without directly answering the question, Spagnola replied, it may surprise you, but we've never had a shortage of employees who, who wanted to work at Castaways. We're confident we could create a protocol for safe working environment for all of them. Select board chair uh, member, uh, select board chair Joyce Palmer Fortune thanked the duo for updating the town on their business plans and noted that there are a lot of legal questions ahead of them. Mission accomplished, gentlemen. You've updated us on your plans and what they are. We're not really the last word here on this anyways. And she drifted off. With a slight smirk on his face, fellow select board member and notably the only dude in the room, Fred Barron said that they'd revisit all the requirements when they have firmer plans to discuss. (laughs) Sounds like Club Castaway Cannabis just secured their first loyal customer. And uh, while it's a polarizing business idea for several obvious reasons, uh, but in an increasingly saturated field full of copycat retailers, standing out from the crowd is key to success. And I think it's safe to say that these guys have found their hook. But I want to hear from the rest of y'all. This is Rico Limit, the dopest dad on the street. This is Hyatt Nine News. What do you think, Jason? Would you go to uh, get your weed from some topless? 
I don't even say women, <laughs> they're just topless individuals at a dispensary in Massachusetts. That'd be that'd be your first choice, man. So is this is this is a titty bar we're talking about, right? Or is this a gay bar? Currently, it is a it is a strip club. It is a strip and club. It is a strip club, and they bought a dispensary uh, with a license active in the same county, and it is pretty easy to transfer that over somewhere. They just have to release their um, alcohol license and get a special permit to uh, switch over the actual key business in the building. You know, one other thing they could do is they could petition for the business to be separated and, and get two addresses, and then that way they could move the liquor license to one part of the building and then have the stripper bar and the, the weed license in another part of the building. I don't think that's what they want to do. They think it was, you know, tatas and tokes, man. Boobs I think and blood. I have the best idea for, for the ultimate adult fund. I'm fun with this. Guys. I think what this about- would be great. I just I just worry about the strippers that people are going to get high and like like, you know, how people would like throw throw cigarettes at strippers back in the day. Like, I don't want them to throw joints at them and stuff and them to get like like, little bruises and stuff. Joint burns and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So you guys, here's my million dollar idea. What about a titty bar, laundromat, bowling alley, dispensary? Bowling alley. Is the laundromat just just so you can clean the towels? No, it's like you can do your clothes. Bowl of games, get a lap dance, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? get some fries. Who's gonna be wiping down pre-roll? the <laughs> Oh boy, bro, we'd make all the money, dude. We just gotta yeah. come up with a name. I, I think you, you should guys stay in your lane, Saint Germain. I don't know about that one. If you got um, an entrepreneur now, man, you can go wherever you want, Gretchen. I, I don't know. I saw, I saw Gretchen <laughs> give a give a give a face sigh. A little while ago, <laughs> Gretchen. Gretchen, I, I, I don't hate this. And, I don't. I don't care whatsoever. Uh, these guys are absolutely right that they need to distinguish themselves in a crowded market. If you've got yeah. women who are more than willing to bear their goods to help them push some pot, knock yourselves out. I don't care. I mean, I, I love I, it. I it's kind of like girls on girls action over there because you got the weed, oh. which is all girls, and then you got yep. the girls, which is all girls. What are you yeah. talking about? So a, Cannabis sativa is is a fem is is a female plant. <sighs> Jason. Jason watched Porky's this weekend, a, you guys. It's just the facts. It's just the facts. You know what I mean? Not yeah. to mention, like, this kind of, like, reminds me. This I think this would be, like, like Nino Brown's dream. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, we can't sell crack, but we can sell weed, and we got all the girls running around naked. I think that... <laughs> oh, my God. I, I think that um, um, this is what that hotel wishes that they could do in Las Vegas. Word. But they cannot. I heard the the permits on the consumption lounges were actually pushed back in Vegas too. I don't oh, know if you guys have reported on that yet. But what about the hotel? Uh, they were Is still working on it in the city council. Yeah, they're working um, on it. Either way, uh, who cares? I I think this is silly. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, I don't understand you think this whole, is silly. Whole story. But you you would go you would you would go you would patronize the place. Uh, you go. I'm not gonna lie. I've been to strip clubs in the past. Yes, I have worked. Frankly, I've worked in male-dominated industries where if uh, I wanted to be a part of the gang, I, I went to the strip, strip club that night. Me too. And Rico. also, went <laughs> hold on, hold on. You're you're you're, tell, you're telling this story like like as if people twisted your arm to go to the strip club. Nobody like twisted my arm, but in. I can guarantee you that no one from the DAR ever says let's go to the strip club. If I'm hanging out with a group of cameramen. Or a bunch of bros from the cannabis industry. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the strip club. What, what if what, what if the shoe was on the other foot here? What if it was a it was a bottomless dispensary, and you just had a bunch of dudes with no Ew. pants on? How would you feel about that, Gretchen? I don't care. Do These are grown adults doing what they want to do and working for a paycheck. Does not bother me as long as they are not being fondled and exploited. Do what yeah. you want. We're all adults here. Don't care. Hey Rico, Gretchen, let's go down to shirt cockers so and score an eighth of weed, bro. What? <laughs> Would you go? Would you go, Gretchen, to a bottomless strip club or a topless strip club first? What would be your first choice? Yep. I don't care. Does I not dodge the question? Yeah, I see that. Yeah, it was. It was just oh it, A or B. You know what I mean? Yeah, she picks the. And I've and I've been to a male strip club. Mm-hmm. And it was, might I say, very disappointing compared to the the ladies. You went over. Like, you went over to the Excalibur and saw the thunder from right. down under. No, right. no, no. There, there's this one in Pittsburgh where they have the ladies upstairs and the boys are downstairs. No and way. so it was for a bachelorette party, and we went Just down, down to the boy one. 
upstairs is like a palace. There's velvet everywhere. Downstairs, it's like cement block and poor two sad guys like also trying room. to sell real estate on the side <laughs> when they're given the lap dance. Well, <laughs> technically, aren't they? Aren't they, aren't they? Isn't that what they're always trying to sell? Is real estate? No. Right. Have you ever had a real estate? <laughs> 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 you want to buy a table? Giving your poor experience at, at the male strip clubs in the yes. past, right? Yes. Uh, if they offered weed, would that make it better? It probably would have made it better for someone hey. who can get high, but I can't, so it wouldn't have done anything for me. You only well, you can't might get have high because you've never been of, able to of, smoke my weed yet. Yeah. You might, you, get over it, Jason Beck. Your you booth is weed ain't going to do anything for me. Move this along. It's definitely not no booth. You, you might just need that catalyst, and the catalyst might be a bottomless male mm -hmm. offering you, you know, the, a great selection of um outdoor weed so so if you go if you go to the bottomless strip club does that mean that right. all of your drinks are bottomless too oh good uh, uh, good good just good just question just man just I, I don't know good idea jason back the only one you've had today Move i have all the best ideas gretchen first of all lord no, yes. yeah, the, the best you know, ideas in the world. Exactly. Have, <laughs> what, what about you, Doctor T? Before we move on here, Doctor T is very silent on this. On this one, what kind of prescription? <laughs> would be I'm fine with. I'm fine with recreational activity. The only thing I'm concerned about are the workers. I'd, I'd prefer if the strippers actually owned the strip club. Oh yeah. That way they might ensure. <laughs> Hold on, uh, Doctor Talleyrand, are you uh, are you advocating for the collective cooperative model of the strip club? Correct. Like Love yes. Sea Lady here in San Francisco. Oh, that's yeah. how you create a true equitable situation in the industry. The Lusty Lady. Oh, oh yeah, it's in San Francisco. L. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Let's be here. Uh, up next, she is a spicy redhead conservative with questionable ties to oligarch-funded sources, and also a connoisseur of bottomless dispensaries. <laughs> Coming to the stage next is the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider, Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon, Jason Bake. You will be happy to hear that there's another dispensary happening in New York. Jason Bake. Uh, my headline wait. is Jason Bake. Bake, Beck. You're already baked. Who cares? A headline <laughs> is New York governor visits state's first legal marijuana retailer outside Manhattan, but doesn't buy anything. New York's governor visited one of the state's first legal marijuana stores on Wednesday, but left without making a purchase. Not today, Governor Hochul told reporters who asked if she planned to buy any cannabis before the visit. But I'm going to drop by. I want them to be successful. Hochul posted a photo and a video of her visit to the Just Breathe Pot Shop in Binghamton to social media, saying she was proud that New York is building the nation's most equitable and inclusive cannabis industry. The governor recently suggested in an interview that she would be open to trying cannabis for the first time, but that we'll have to wait for another day. Despite going to school in the 70s, it's nothing I ever partook in, Hochul told WAMC podcast host Alan Chartok last week. But I'm not done living yet, so you never know. While sales of legal marijuana began in New York in December, few shops have opened so far. Just Breathe is just one of four adult-use dispensaries that are now operational, and it's the first outside of New York City. At the same time, unlicensed marijuana retail storefronts have cropped up across the state, particularly in New York City. Hochul said, I want people to know that there are other shops that pop up that are not selling, illegal, that are not selling legal products. There's a big difference in terms of safety and quality. Licensed businesses also support investments in social equity, the governor added. Binghamton Mayor Jer Jared Cram, who joined Hochul on the visit, said on social media that he's touted the store's economic impact as we work to revitalize our downtown. The State Office of Cannabis Management, meanwhile, posted that 2023 is the year of achieving the New York dream, and every new adult-use cannabis dispensary helps bring that dream closer to reality. OCM Executive Director Chris Alexander was the first person in New York to make a purchase from a state-licensed store. While it's common for elected officials to visit some of the first marijuana retailers that open in a state after legalization, it's still rare for them to leave with products in hand. Time will tell, Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont said when asked in 2021 whether people could expect to see the governor smoking a joint after legalization. As legal sales in the state began last month, however, Lamont said that it's been many, many years since he last had marijuana. 
In Illinois, however, which launched legal sales in 2020, Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton visited a dispensary on the first day and bought Clementine-flavored gummies. It's believed to be the first time a lieutenant governor has publicly purchased marijuana from a state legal shop. Back in 2014, when legal sales began in Washington State, then Seattle City Attorney Pete Holmes posed for photos with two grams of two gram bags of cannabis flower. He said at the time, one bag was for posterity and the other was for personal enjoyment when it's appropriate. The event was celebratory, but ultimately also embarrassing. Later that week, Holmes publicly apologized after bringing the unopened marijuana to his office, which technically violated Seattle's drug-free workplace rules. A statement from a spokesperson said Holmes never intended to use the marijuana he bought anytime soon. While I'm all for a a dumb uh, photo op by politicians, I am glad to see Hochul out there supporting uh, this dispensary. I don't think she needs to make a purchase to show her support, but it is important for people to see that things are moving forward in New York. This is Gretchen for High at Nine News. New York, New York. What you think about I mean, this, Jason? Come on with it. Come I, on with I, it. I, I, I'm just going to say, I think it's <laughs> it, extremely um, disheartening the fact that she didn't purchase there and she's just going there for some photo op and not actually supporting the business and saying what? that she supports the business and wants them to be successful, but yet is not doing anything regulatory-wise to help ensure that. What and she couldn't about? even she couldn't even pull there. They can't do anything about the trap market that they're never going to be able to stop. And that was uh, not the purpose well, of her visit. And to think that the woman's going to fix the trap market in one afternoon is a bit bullshit. I don't think so. I could fix the trap market right now. It's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. How you do it, Jason? How you do it? So I'm not going to say you. how I'm going to do it. Then everyone's going to take this and try to go and create some crazy government policy and whatnot. But no, I know how to do it. And you me have too. To, me too. I know how yep. to, but I'm and, not the, and, the, and these and these municipalities would have to hire me in order for me to show them how to do it. I think there are other ways to showing support, not just monetarily, um, and by a governor going into a dispensary and showing that it's a fine place to be to do business, that it's helping to revitalize a downtown neighborhood. Jason, before you speak, let me finish. I haven't said uh, anything yet. I haven't oh, even breathed yet. I saw you taking a. a <laughs> no, that anyway. was me doing a Gretchen sigh. The point is that she is helping to break the stigma, which we are always asking people to. Um, and I think it is a good thing. You don't always have to buy weed to be a supporter of it. Well, I'll a say prime this. example that you don't need to consume to be a supporter of the industry. Yeah. If she didn't, that, that, you're, you're different. You're what? different, Gretchen. We're Why talking about a governor. We're talking about a governor. And the fact that if she really wanted to support this business, she even if she didn't want to make a purchase, He's, she would have brought in a staffer to make a purchase or something from somebody not to, to actually show some support and get through and really get the 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 people behind her to say, hey, this is how it should be done. Not the other way. This is how you do it and make it like a public service announcement. Well, the woman is a thousand times more supportive of this industry than Cuomo was. And it's a good thing that he, you know, me tooed himself out of a job. Uh, so cannabis. Yeah, Cuomo, Cuomo was terrible. I agree. I agree. Cuomo was terrible. So you don't need to be buying joints to show support. I, she got I think, the shit I think she should. I think she should. She hasn't done enough starting the whole damn market. She's you know what? She is the governor of the state, and she so needs to portray. If she wants everyone shopping there, then she should show that she can shop there, too. That, she she did show she could shop there. Just because she's shopping there doesn't mean that she necessarily consumes. She could gift it to someone. She may have a sick relative. She could have bought a topical or something like that. That was like a real medical grade product. And that would have been a perfect opportunity for her to show her support for this so-called magical marketplace, equitable marketplace that she claims to be creating. I think Jason Beck, you're completely dead wrong. I There's nothing that's going to change my yeah, mind yeah. on this. You go in showing your support by being there. Asking people to come out and pay, patronize the business. I mean, you're yeah, just wrong. Yeah, I mean, she might she might as well just been a a, a, a a little sign flipper standing outside the store. Yep. And once she, she could have okay. bought a T-shirt, you know, she didn't yeah, want to buy. Yeah, she could have bought a product. T-shirt. Yep. 
She could have said, hey, New York, I went to New York to the weed shop and all I got was this lousy coffee cup. Yeah, merch goes a lot further. The knowledge from merch go a lot further. We than don't know what food. they had for sale. I, I think y'all are grinder. crazy. You think that the only way to support someone is through money. Yeah. That, is, that is. How else do you support them? Are yeah. they kidding me? Hugs. Oh, you ever heard of child know. support? Passing yeah, legalization? This- Hey, Gretchen, I thought you were a supporter. Making some regs that might help the businesses. Gretchen, I thought you were a capitalist. She I am a capitalist. She is not doing that, Gretchen. By making them only be able to sell all the weed that's like a year and a half, two years old, that is not helping them. That Dude, is market's got to start somewhere. I understand. Um, it should it should start with fresh weed. It's, a, it's an agricultural product. Would you buy two-year-old lettuce or two-year-old broccoli and consume yeah. it? If Kathy Holchel really cared, she would have bought something, even if it was a grinder, even if it was a little, yep. you know, like an odor-proof pouch, something to give away. Did you say you she saw Kathy, Kathy Holchel on Grinder, Rico? Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. <laughs> you got we me. Got, we we got to go. We got to go to an ad. We got to go to an ad real quick. At True Classic OG, we live by one motto: Stay true. We stay true to our legacy cut of true OG that's always fresh, piney, gassy, and delicious. We represent the spirit and hustle and diversity of our great city of angels, and we stay true to the spirit of this plant, doing everything in-house to ensure that you get the highest quality and consistency with every batch. And that's what made us LA's favorite OG. True Classic OG. Stay true, Los Angeles. Thoughts and opinions and general overall shade thrown a high and nine news are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. The statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, territory, or of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship. Our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you are an easily offended person, the show is not for you. And maybe you should go and buy some weed in a New York legal shop to show some support. Support. When you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sa to see why our terps don't lie. Now this, oh, you, you got this one, right? Yeah, you're good, bro. So this industry, OG doctors got a proven track record with years of serving up daily doses of compassion to the people. He's the founder of Medican and co-founder of CESC, a nonprofit cannabis organization, and he's seriously doing some great work out there. So make sure you guys check him out. Coming to the stage next, Dr. Jean Talleyrand. Thank you, Rico. Uh, happy Friday, everyone. My story today is CBD may increase effects of THC edibles, study finds, by Alexander Beadle. So researchers from the University of Washington and the John Hopkins School of Medicine made cannabis brownies for a recent study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association Open Network. This new randomized clinical trial involved 18 participants who took part in three distinct sessions, each session separated by at least one week. At each session, the participant was given a brownie that had been made from either type one THC dominant extract or type three CBD dominant extract or a placebo. Um, Except for the placebo, each brownie contained 20 milligrams of THC. Additionally, one of the brownies had 600. Um, that's approximately a 30 to 1 ratio of CBD to THC. 
So 30 to 1 CBD to THC products are available to consumers. Care by Design, a cannabis manufacturer here in Northern Cali, makes a 40 to 1 CBD tincture. Eating one of the CBD brownies from this study is equivalent to drinking half a bottle of a Care by Design tincture. So this study does not describe a real-world situation. Uh, the study authors admit to this, uh, quote, the brownie doses selected were based on in vitro modeling of interactions between THC and CBD. In other words, they made the brownies so that they could generate an interaction. Additionally, they gave the participants a cocktail of five drugs 30 minutes after they ate the brownie. The drugs were specifically chosen as cytochrome P450 probes that compete with the metabolism of cannabinoids. The results, the batch with high CBD resulted in stronger subjective drug effects, greater impairment of cognitive and psychomotor ability, and a greater increase in heart rate than the THC alone brownies. In other words, the CBD brownies made participants higher. Uh, blood samples from those who ate the CBD brownies showed a higher amount of THC, even though the THC was the same in each batch. This study demonstrates that CBD competes for the metabolism of THC, making the brownie more potent. The study also proves that CBD matters. I think it's wrong to price cannabis solely on the amount of THC, although it's unlikely that someone will drink a half a bottle of tincture in one sitting, also, patients who use medical cannabis may be on other medication that competes with the metabolism THC, raising its level in the blood. That's why it's important to consult with the medical cannabis doctor if you're on medication. So if you're eating a CBD-dominant product and feeling high, it may be because of the THC-CBD interaction. Um, so I'd like to ask any of the correspondents if they've ever felt high from eating a CBD edible or tincture. This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand with High Nine News. Um, is that from a CBD? Like, I mean, is, is there any doctor? Is, is there any real benefit to having a hemp-based CBD product from a medical standpoint? Well, I mean. Yeah, there's the benefit if you're if there's a child with seizures, that's been proven, you know, right? That's the CBD. You mean a whole spectrum, broad spectrum CBD product where it's that's a, all the stuff you can buy like over the counter, like if it's not full spectrum. Oh, just CBD alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's you. Uh, Epidiolex, the pharmaceutical yeah. CBD alone. So so I just want to just ask this question, Dr. T, because I, I never have felt uh, intoxicated or high on marijuana THC off of a CBD edible or tincture. But my question is this is so are you also saying that if a child overdoses on or I don't want to say use the word strike that I don't want to use the word overdoses. If a child ingests or consumes cannabis somehow that isn't supposed to, are you saying that CBD may not be the best thing to give to them now? Because before you said that it was. Right. It, well, that's this study conflicts with an older study that was actually with inhaled CBD, uh, inhaled THC in CBD, where it showed that the CBD block uh, reduced the anxiety. Um, so that's essentially why they did this, but they, they changed the route of administration. So it's kind of like comparing apples to oranges. Um, but what they showed is actually uh, CBD could block the metabolism of, T of THC, making it more potent. Um, so yeah, it's a conflicting, it conflicts with uh, the original study. So, 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 so can we go back to the, to, to, to milk? Cause I'm pretty sure that works from everything that I've always been. <laughs> milk. Yeah. No, no, no. Drink water, you know, if you go to the emergency room, they might try to induce uh, vomiting uh, or put give you charcoal. That's but, terrible. Uh, they treat you like you're an anorexic. 
Um, yeah. It, it, the best thing you do if anybody has a uh, too high of a dose on anything psychoactive is to get them to somewhere that's a little more dimly lit, that's comfortable, and just hang out with them. Reassure them it's a tunnel. There's going to be an end of the tunnel, and they're going to be okay. Maybe take them yeah. to a strip club. You know. Yeah. We we do have <laughs> we, we we do have we do have Troy up from the clubhouse audience to speak on this. Troy, what do you have to say about this? Awesome, awesome that they're trying to do clinicals. My, my bigger question is, is it sponsored by the NAIA, the, the, whatever that group is, is, that actually won't condone any clinical and give it the medical benefits unless the herb comes from them, which they don't allow because it's still a Schedule 1. So right. what pertinence does this clinical really have? Uh, very interesting question. I thought the same thing. Uh, this was NIDA uh, product but it was extract. So the extract was 70% THC and 50%. Um, usually NIDA, NIDA cannabis flowers alone are, are weaker than what's in, uh, commercially available. Um, but why were they doing this study? I think they were trying to see if there were interactions, honestly. But it could come off as, oh, careful, uh, you shouldn't have edibles it's with high CBD and THC combined because it will make the THC um, higher uh, in your system. You want to sit there and scare everybody with your ghost games, but you don't want to acknowledge the medical benefit. Right. Ghost right. games. I have a question right, for you, right. Dr. Tellerian. Go ahead. You, you had said that this study has no real applicable real world. Uh, example here. So does it make it relevant? It, it lets us know that putting CBD in is going to change things, right? But the dosage of CBD that they put in was super high. It's, when you go around to dispensaries, you don't see full on one dose of CBD at 640 milligrams, which is pretty high. Usually there it's 50 milligrams in, in a single dose. But if someone accidentally drank the whole bottle, they might have this effect. Let's say a kid or an, or, or an older person drank a full bottle of medicine and they were wondering why they were feeling the psychoactive effects. This could be why. Uh, and remember, they also essentially had to juice the patients by giving them this drug cocktail to further block metabolism, right? Um, mm. So it wasn't just mm. eating CBD, THC. They added something on top of it right. to, so, so, to block so, metabolism. So, Dr. T, why aren't people more more people talking about olivetol, like the um, the, the olive extract um, that, that, that supposedly blocks um, um, THC from binding to receptors? Um, actually had a, a, a product, I forget what the name of it is. I'll, I'll find it, I'll send it your way. But um, that's like the only thing that's been able to really bring my high down when I was on edibles uh, before. That's more of a receptor uh, blocker, right? And a CB1 antagonist um, rather than, uh, if you're blocking metabolism, you're blocking the breakdown of THC. If you're blocking the receptor, you're blocking the activity of, of THC. Interesting. So milk it is. No milk. No milk. But it bonds to the fat, Dr. T. <laughs> bong bong. Yeah, cannabis bonds to the fat. Oh, yeah. That's very, it's, it's, this is, this very, is super, interesting super interesting. Yeah, it's like, very I'm, interesting study. I'm, I'm fascinated by this all, all the way around. Um, yes. But we are going to move to our next story because coming up next, he's a cannabis wizard doing his damnedest to continue the work of the Merry Pranksters. That's right. He's also the co-host of What's Good, the Cannabis Flower and Hash Review Show on YouTube and Radio Free Earth Podcast, boasting over 33 years in the game, and he actually got a real job now. We're going to come back to him right, right next because we have to go to a commercial first. That's right. It is the immortal count himself, Matthew St. Germain. 
Thanks, Jason. Hi, all. Happy Friday. Uh, I have another great story from uh, my friends, the Beard Brothers, Bill and Jeff. This is about the psychedelic industry opening up in multiple states across the country. It looks like psychedelics might even leapfrog over cannabis in their acceptance here. So the psychedelics industry is quickly gaining momentum across the U.S. as lawmakers work to further reform and develop uh, further reform the development of the industry through the introduction of relevant bills and votes in four additional states. These include Utah, Iowa, New Hampshire, and Missouri. The industry has steadily been growing and gaining more interest in recent months, calling for more significant action and federal reform. This increase in activity across several states can be attributed to two main factors. In the first case, there has been an increasing curiosity surrounding newer and varied forms of therapeutic treatments. For instance, the use of entheogenic substances such as psilocybin. Secondly, many are calling for decriminalization when it comes to the possession of natural plants and fungi. Here are the recent developments taking place for each of these states. First and foremost, Utah. The Democratic minority leader in the Senate, Luz Escamilla, put measures in place to legalize the use of psilocybin therapy for adults. uh, All patients 21 years and over would be able to receive treatment with psilocybin in a clinical setting to treat several illnesses, including depression, PTSD, and treatment-resistant anxiety. It will also be made available for those in hospice care. In Iowa... Uh, Representative Jeff Shipley is working to bring back a bill that will remove the psychedelic psilocybin and psilocin from the list of controlled substances established by the state and have them legalized. Though he raised this matter two years prior, in 2021, the bill did not advance. Nevertheless, it has contributed to the discourse on the decriminalization of psychedelics. In New Hampshire, a House committee did not support a bill intended to have the psychedelic DMT removed from the state's list of controlled substances and another to have the Controlled Drug Act revoked altogether in a 14 to 6 and 17 to 3 vote, respectively. Though the legislation will advance to the floor as stipulated in the state's rules, this current move makes it unlikely that it will be enacted. On a brighter note, and in a separate instance, Representative, Representative Kevin Verville filed a bill in January to have the possession and use of psychedelics legalized by adults 21 years and older in New Hampshire. This bill would also allow for reduced penalties for the possession and manufacturing of LSD by those under 21 years old. Lastly, and this blows my mind, in Missouri. Uh, earlier this month, Republican Senator Holly Thompson Rader introduced a bill intended to promote research into the therapeutic use of alternative medicine and therapy, such as ketamine and MDMA for treatment of PTSD, depression, hospice care, and more. The legislation proposes that the three major organizations carry out the research. Uh, the State Department of Health and Senior Services, a Missouri-based hospital operated, as well as a medical center currently run by the USVA. They would be expected to conduct clinical trials to help determine the effectiveness of psychedelics and alternative treatment options and review existing literature on the topics. Subsequently, any reports would be done and submitted by the DHHS. Though not all the news has been promising, there's a lot of positive development in the industry. Uh, This is Matthew St. Germain for the Hyatt 9 News on Friday, and I'm really excited to hear what you guys have to say about this one. So now, what what state is this, Matthew? That that it's going to be legal to manufacture LSD? Uh, that was the first one, which was Utah. Hold on a second, Mormons, man. The, the Mormons, Mormons are gonna <laughs> yeah. come on, bro. They they want you yeah. to see God now. So what's been happening is is there's just uh, maps.org uh johns hopkins university bob jesse a former vice president of oracle systems uh david bronner the over owner of dr bronner shampoos all these folks have been getting together and getting uh government approved legal psychedelic studies and what every one of these studies has been showing without a doubt is the psychedelics are non-toxic um they've put folks in mris and found greater neuronal mapping and neurogenesis and they've also found positive uh effects to personality that persist for over a year from the the use of these substances as well as breakthroughs in ptsd and depression treatment and right now across the country ketamine clinics are opening you can get ketamine lozenges for anxiety and you can yeah. go get intramuscular or intravenous ketamine uh, uh uh administered to you with a sitter safely in 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 a in a in a clinical setting and it's having uh, an amazing effect for people who have substance abuse uh, and, and trauma issues. All right. So you know, in the age, I was actually going to work with a um, uh, work at a ketamine clinic here in Culver City. Nice. Yeah. Our own Dr. Mary works in a uh, ketamine. She she runs a ketamine clinic up in New York. Um, uh, I, I this does not surprise me whatsoever, Matthew St. Germain. I, I've said this before that I think psychedelics get further in legislatures than cannabis has uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it does not have the stigma attached to it like reefer madness did. Uh, so I think that helps it move forward 
much faster. People, lawmakers don't have actual experience with it. So they can't think back about that time they had a bad brownie or something that is keeping them from getting on board with it. And then two or third, I think the issue is also that they don't want to see what has happened with cannabis. I think a lot of these states passed it by referendums and lawmakers aren't thrilled with the way that cannabis legalization has moved forward. And by them doing it themselves, they get to actually decide how things are going to go down, especially in a state like Utah. Uh, where they have quite the stranglehold on uh, legislature. Uh, so it that's doesn't. A inter- very yeah. interesting point, Gretchen. I think that's a fascinating. That all it makes sense. Little piece right there. But I, I wonder um, a lot about this, uh, Matthew. They're going about to legalize making acid in Utah. Right, and, but I mean, but it's, it's very controlled. Is, so they're they're doing them in a clinical setting, and they're only allowing you know folks in the medical industry to have access and, and administer the products so that's the other thing is there and it's slightly worrisome but but it, it also is the same thing mushrooms grow everywhere it's kind of like cannabis um some people will wait or only participate in the legal or permitted process and respect for that but um, we can always access these substances they're our birthright they they grow from the planet for us to use if they didn't you know it's not like lsd you know psilocybin and cannabis both are not like lsd or ketamine these other substances they just they grow wild so, um, so, so, so we will have acid brought to you by Quickstar and the Mormon Church. <laughs> For all two Mormon acid, it's actually this. the quickest way to the stars. You know, the Mormon religion is kind of like it, it seems like it might have been written by uh, somebody on LSD because there, <laughs> there's space aliens. If you behave well enough, you get to be the demigod of your own planet. Like it's it's actually pretty wacky and cool. Yeah, yeah, man. So you're Shut signing up. up. You're Mormons, signing man. up. Hey, I actually have a lot of friends that are ex-Mormons, and there's a ridiculous amount of people in the cannabis industry, especially in, like, hash, that are ex-Mormons from Utah. There's a whole huge crew. I know. We we happen to be friends with a few of them. Uh, Yeah, that's what I'm saying, dude. (laughs) The Jack Mormons. uh, Yeah, so, like, kind of a funny, kind of a fucked up story. Uh, The Mormon church was the, um, they were the ones that were... Um, the, the only ones when I was in college, my sister was locked up in prison. They're the only ones that were really visiting her because um, she was like, like real far away from from VA and she converted to Mormonism <laughs> and uh, she kind of hustled the Mormon church. They got her out, <laughs> they put her out there, dude. They like got her a, a, a whole damn house out in Utah and everything. And she started trapping out of the house in Utah <laughs> and, and selling like the extra rooms in it on Airbnb. Uh, Airbnb, and then then she ended up moving out to Sebastopol because they came after <laughs> came after. <laughs> what up, Denise? Oh, Maybe I might give it a try then. <laughs> oh, I didn't get my sister in trouble, but uh, she. Never I think you get a free pair of underwear too for signing up. I think it's just I think it's just the dudes, but um, Gretchen, 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 no, like. I, I don't. I, I grew up with a friend who was Mormon. Uh, her dad was the bishop of the Mormon church in, around Pittsburgh. And they were very normal, except we couldn't have caffeine or ways we couldn't do anything crazy. But they they're very sweet, very nice people. Mormons tend to no, be some of the very nicest people with yeah, the, the most not really oh, yeah. family vibe. Hell yeah. I've, never, I've, never, thing, yeah, I've yeah. never met I've never met a, um, a person of Mormon faith that was like rude, mean, or anything like that. A big shout out to them. But um, dude, if you've ever been out to Salt Lake City, the clubs are trash. Dude. They, they, but, they, hey, Matthew, I, I, have, I have a serious, serious question about this article. <laughs> yeah, Jason. because because in, in there, you mentioned that doctors noticed after after one of these trips that they can measure a uh, that person becomes a better person for uh-huh. over a year. Yes. Well, in the age of wokeness, how do they measure if someone is a better person? So it's uh, positive changes to mood and personality through um, psychological indicator tests. It was done on yes. folks who uh, it was a it was a an experiment at Johns Hopkins University. And well, wow, that was weird. I just went dark. My camera's freaked out. Uh, it was an experiment at Johns Hopkins University for terminal cancer patients. And it was originally just to see if it allayed the fear of death. And it really helped them to deal with the, their oncoming death and relate to their the, uh, the folks that uh, were around them, their friends and family. But then it had all of these other outcomes for those that went into remission and didn't die. They can, they kept longitudinally tracking them. And what they found was they just were approaching every day with a better attitude. They were basically in a much more positive mind frame. They weren't suffering from depression. Interesting. Yes, sir. And- very, very interesting. 
this past week on, um, not that I'm saying that this show is gospel or whatever, uh, but last weekend tonight with John Oliver, he did a whole segment just on psychedelics. Bam. And, how, and it was very interesting looking back at it from like when they first were trying to do stuff in like the 60s and 70s. Cool. Great segment. I highly recommend. Um, by the way, I consider cannabis psychedelic. So I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know why we're separating the two. If you do it right. Yes, sir, doctor. Yeah. I don't know. I've never, I've never seen colors or anything like that from taking a weed hit. Are you, are you, you eat a hash brownie, bro. I'll make you a brownie that'll get you good, dude. I don't, I don't, I don't like edibles. They're not, well, not there my you jam. go. Not my jam. <laughs> I like to, you know, consume with yeah. my lungs. <laughs> what else do you like to consume with Jason? <laughs> I like to consume with my lungs, Rico. That's it. Yes. Are you sure? All right, wrap it up. Wrap <laughs> it up. I like to, I like happy Time's lungs. Up. Happy lungs. Uh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you guys are funny, bro. You guys are so Definitely. so 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 funny. Thank you all for getting high at nine with us every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big thank you to our audience supporters for tuning in daily and listening to the insanity that is the developing cannabis industry. Thank you to all of our haters out there for always talking and thinking about us because we have the most, most developed pieces of property inside of your head rent free all at your expense. So thank you, thank you so much. Huge thank you to our sponsors, True Classic, iSpire, Wizard Trees, DNA Genetics, and LAXCC for rocking with us and keeping everything rolling. Thank you to our correspondents for being absolutely amazing. And thank you to Cannabis Sativa L for always keeping the same definition even when people want to split you apart. And thank you to Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, Green Street, and Zaza Simone Brown holding it down in Clubhouse and keeping us with this space out here in the cannabis universe. That's right. Thank you all for getting high at nine with us. It's America's number one daily cannabis news show. Joe Biden.